0: Oh, solar system it's science wednesday so don your favorite galactic leggings moon boots and lost in space jumpsuits as we blast off, blast off, off today weather jazz a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather science earth science and astronomy that'll be today science wednesday and also periodically some interesting off-topic episodes that for no other reason your host finds interesting and hopefully i'm able to bring those topics to you in a way that interests you as well i am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. I am the Senior Meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 343 for Wednesday, July 6, 2022. And it's my hope that you enjoyed a wonderful 4th of July holiday weekend, whether it was a two-day weekend or a three-day weekend or... If you're one of the lucky ones, like I was this year, and making it a four-day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I certainly hope that it was the kind of weekend that was filled with memory-making to the point where you'll look back and really be blessed by what happened this year. Well, today we're going to continue our astronomical series on the solar system, in particular, the sun. Last week, we took a look at some of the basics of the sun, basically some of the reminders of what the sun is all about on a generally rudimentary plane. Because by understanding that, we can then dig into some of the finer details of the sun, which we will do today. And at the end of today's program, I'll tell you where we're heading to Next Wednesday, we're going to stick with the sun, a different aspect of it. More on that coming up in just a little bit. But first, some cleanup items before we dig into today's topic. And that is what I posted on my Truth Social account recently. I placed a screenshot of that on weatherjazz.com under the banner that says Season 2 Update. And I'd like to read that to you. Again, it's an update. Most Weather Jazz listeners and subscribers know what it is I'm talking about already, but this is a little bit more of a refined timeline. And it reads as follows After 17 years and two seasons, I am considering concluding season two of Weather Jazz this autumn to take an extended break. Will there be a Season 3? Honestly, I don't know. If there is, it will change for the better. I'd love to hear from you if you are a Weather Jazz subscriber. Email me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. We've had a wonderful stride here over the last several years in Season 2 with Meteorological Monday, Science Wednesday, and Open Line Friday. And it has been a wonderful, wonderful season. The testimony to that is the nearly 100,000 downloads in season two alone, along with well over 300. In fact, we're approaching 350 episodes, and we will surpass that by the time we get to the concluding point, which will likely be sometime in early September, right around Labor Day. Now, if it turns out that indeed it is going to be a pause point in the Weather Jazz season, if you are one of my supporters, first of all, let me thank you for stepping alongside me. And I will continue to receive your support until we get to the conclusion of season two. Now, it still remains to be seen whether or not I do a supporter-based program for season three or an advertiser-supported base, or maybe a hybrid of both. I'm not sure. At that point in time, I'll let you know so that those of you that would like to rejoin the supporter base, you can do that. I'll certainly keep you all in the loop as we head through the summer of 2022 And as we go through the solar system on Wednesday, we still have the sun, we still have the earth, and we still have our moon to explore, along with a number of other topics, Meteorological Monday and Open Line Friday. Maybe a few surprises in there, too. But before we take a break, I would like to share a wonderful poem that was penned by Victoria Singer, one of our supporters And it has to do with uh, some of the solar system topics that we've been covering recently. And it reads as follows, and it is titled, Saturn and Aaliyah. Saturn's rings around my head, down a road that's Martian red. Mercury's wings uplift my feet, towards great Jupiter's sea. Asteroids are nothing new, comets in and out of view. Venus, shining high and bright, casts her eyes on Earth's blue light. Outward, outward, seeking far, though much nearer than a star. Uranus, in ellipsis, Tiptis, Neptune's eighth sliptis. Pluto, still planetary, sets pundits in a quandary. Trace the planets in their paths, leave the rest to polymaths. And just in case the first two lines sounded familiar, let me read what Victoria mentions. She says, these first two lines as chanted by Mr. Spock. And just in case that sounded familiar to you, especially the first two lines, Victoria mentions that the first two lines were chanted by Mr. Spock under telekinetic psychic coercion in one of the Star Trek episodes. Do you remember that? I do. Even today, I still enjoy the original Star Trek series so long ago. All of those subjects just craftily written and performed by that wonderful crew. And just in case you forgot, the years that those were produced 1966 to 1969. All right, when we come back, The Sun, Part Two. You don't want to miss it, it's a hot topic. Welcome back. Last week, episode number 342. Last Wednesday, The Sun Part 1. We took care of some of the very rudimentary things that make the sun tick. And before we dig into some of the more complex issues of the sun today, I wanted to mention one thing that I failed to do last week. And that is this interesting aspect of the sun. If the sun completely went out, in other words, it extinguished its fuel all at once, and it just went dark. We here on earth would not know it for about 10 minutes. Really, it's a little over eight minutes, but it would take eight minutes for the sun's last rays to hit the earth's surface. That's kind of interesting in the sense that you would think that it would be instantaneous, but light does not have an instantaneous speed. It has a defined speed, which some astronomers actually say is slowing down in quantum steps. But of course, that may be another subject for another time. Those are weeds I'm not going to get into here today. Let's talk about the composition of the sun. We talked a little bit about that last week, but let's dig into this subject with maybe a little more definition, if we can. The sun is composed primarily of the chemical elements of hydrogen and helium. Now, at this time in the sun's life, they account for 75% and 24% of the mass of the sun in that order. In other words, 75% hydrogen, 25 or 24% helium. But those elements are all found in the photosphere. It's the part of the sun that we can really see and study very, very well. All of the heavier elements, called the metals in astronomy, account for less than 2% of the mass of the sun. With oxygen, roughly 1% of the sun's mass, carbon at 0.3%, Neon, 0.2%. And iron, yes, there's iron in the center of the sun, 0.2%, being the most abundant metal elements. Now, last week we told you that it took a long time for all of the energy that was generated from the fusion at the center of the sun to make it outward toward the limb of the sun, the photosphere, the light, the energy that we see and receive here on the earth. We're talking in the order of 10,000 to 100,000 years or so. Well, how is that heat transfer outward from the sun's core to where we can see it? And that is done by radiation, not convection as thought initially. In other words, the fusion products at the center of the sun are not lifted outward by heat. They remain in the core. Furthermore, the result of the fusion, which is helium, it's the hydrogen that fuses into helium, the helium that is being produced in the center of the sun cannot be fused any further, at least presently, because the sun's core is not hot or dense enough to begin to fuse helium. Now here's where things start to get a little sticky. You see, because the sun is a gaseous object, it really doesn't have a clearly defined surface like, say, Earth or Mars or even Venus. Its visible parts, though, are usually divided into the photosphere, that's what we can see, and the atmosphere above it. Let's talk about the photosphere first. That's the deepest part of the sun which we can directly observe with visible light. The atmosphere is the gaseous halo around the sun, comprising of the chromosphere, the solar transition region, the corona, and the heliosphere, and these can be seen when the main part of the sun is hidden, for example, during a solar eclipse. Let's dig into the core a little bit. As best as we can tell, the core of the sun, which is where all of the fusion is being generated, is about 20 to 25 percent of the solar radius. So it's essentially about a quarter of the size of what we see as a photosphere. But what really gets your attention is the temperature at that core where the fusion is taking place. Brace yourself. Are you ready for this? We're going to speak in Kelvins. Kelvins is the absolute temperature scale, meaning at zero Kelvins, all molecular motion stops. That's absolute zero. It doesn't go below zero Kelvin. At the center of the sun, the temperature is 15.7 million Kelvins. That is beyond comprehension. By contrast, Just to give you a little bit of a base frame, the sun's surface temperature, in other words, where the photosphere ends, the temperature of the surface of the sun is about 6,000 kelvins. Just think of the difference now, 6,000 kelvins versus 15.7 million kelvins at the center. Okay, let's talk about the photosphere just a little bit. That's the portion of the sun that uh, essentially we can see. And if you have a proper filter, that is the portion of the sun that you can actually see, the solar disk, in other words. The visible surface of the sun, the photosphere, is the layer below which the sun becomes opaque to visible light. A little comparison for you, the photosphere is actually tens of hundreds of kilometers thick and is slightly less opaque than air on Earth, just to give you a little comparison. Also, here's a little history on the optical spectrum study of the sun. See, early on in these studies at that time, some of the absorption lines found did not correspond to any chemical elements here known on Earth at the time, and that was back in the late 1800s. Well, at that point in time, a gentleman by the name of Norman Lockyer hypothesized that these absorption lines were caused by a new element that had not yet been discovered, and so he dubbed them helium. Ah, do you get the name here? That's after the Greek sun got helios. And so 25 years later, guess what was discovered? It was helium, and it was finally isolated Here on earth as well. Now, fortunately for us, the way God designed our solar system, we have a moon whose disc, apparent disc, perfectly matches the disc of the sun. And that's when we can see the other elements of the sun. And so during a total solar eclipse, when the disc of the sun is covered in totality by that of the moon, Parts of the sun's surrounding atmosphere can finally be seen. It can't be seen otherwise. It is composed of four distinct parts, the chromosphere, the transition region, the corona, and the heliosphere. Now, just a little bit ago, I mentioned that the surface of the sun, the temperature, is about 6,000 degrees Kelvin. But here's an interesting aspect. The chromosphere, the transition region, and the corona are actually much hotter than the surface of the sun. The reason, actually, is not really well understood at this point in time. There are lots of theories, and that's a part of the sun's anatomy that we are still very, very much interested in and discovering more and more about. So, the surface of the sun has a temperature of about 6,000 Kelvin. What about the chromosphere, the next layer? Its temperature is around 20 Kelvin thousand kelvins. The next layer, the corona, is even hotter. The average temperature is between one and two million kelvins. That's still not as hot as the core of the sun, which is about 16 million kelvins. By the way, there are parts of the corona which see temperatures upwards pretty close to where the center of the sun is. It's estimated that that parts of the corona may have temperatures between 8 and 20 million kelvins. Now, the outermost part of the sun's atmosphere is called a heliosphere. It's much more tenuous. It is filled with the solar wind plasma. That's what rushes by the Earth, many times giving us the potential for the aurora borealis. Now, the solar wind... It travels outward continuously through the heliosphere and up to the heliosphere, or the heliopause. And that forms the solar magnetic field a bit into a spiral shape until it gets to the heliopause. That is the outer extent of the solar wind, and that's about 50 astronomical units away from the sun, essentially out towards Pluto and beyond. And believe it or not, back in 2004, Voyager 1 actually went through a bit of a shock zone that is thought to have been the heliopause. And late in 2012, not too long ago, and eight years later in 2012, the same probe, Voyager 1, recorded a marked increase in cosmic ray collisions and a sharp drop in the lower energy particles from the solar wind. A few more things before we wrap up this edition of Weather Jazz on part two of the sun, and that is the sun's position in the solar system, the galactic context, in other words. The solar system is located, obviously, in the Milky Way, and that is a barred spiral galaxy with a diameter of about 100,000 light years. The Milky Way, by the way, contains about, as best as we can tell, 100 billion, the B, stars, and the Sun resides in one of the Milky Way's outer spiral arms known as Orion Cygnus. And just in case you had any designs on traveling to the center of our galaxy, the Sun lies about 26,660 light-years from the Milky Way's galactic center. Here's one more tidbit of information about the Sun which might be interested as we round out this episode of Weather Jazz. The fact that the sun's ultraviolet light spectrum that it emits from the photosphere towards Earth actually has antiseptic properties and can actually be used to sanitize tools and water. Obviously, that's a benefit. However, there are some things that we need to be careful for, and that is that ultraviolet radiation can easily cause skin sunburn, especially UVA radiation as opposed to UVB, which is maybe not quite as damaging, nor quite as penetrating. UVA will actually penetrate the skin on a much deeper level and cause much more damage. So it's important to lather up with the sunscreen, especially if you're fair-skinned and you're anticipating a lot of sunshine on any particular day. However, on the flip side, there's a benefit, and that is the production of vitamin D. And that is what the skin actually produces as it converts the UVA and UVB on the skin surface to some of those elements that our body needs. So what's coming next, next week, as we study yet another aspect of the sun? I'll tell you now, we're going to spend most of our time looking at something that we have yet to take a strong look at. And that is solar sunspots. What are they? And are they significant to us here on Earth? So if you know somebody who is interested in the sun and all of its little nuances, make sure you point them to episode number 342 last Wednesday, 343 this Wednesday, and by next Wednesday we'll be at episode number 346, where we will very likely conclude our study of the sun with a look at sunspots. Make sure you tell somebody, especially who loves astronomy. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Help me to spread the word, get the word out there through email, through word of mouth, and through any of your other social media means. Do you have a question, a topic suggestion, or you just like to say hello? I welcome your input and I'm going to be looking for your email or your voicemail. By email, you can contact me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. Or if you prefer, just pick up your phone and dial 234 525 5888. That's the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line, and you can always leave me a message there. Open Line Friday is right around the corner. You never know what I'm going to have on tap. And quite frankly, When I get to Wednesdays, I don't even know what I'm going to have. That's how much of a surprise it can be. Just like opening up a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you on Friday. Weather and science across the globe. Across the globe. Across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.